Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 President Biden makes a surprise trip to Ukraine. He really offered a strong show of support at a very important time in this war. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis visits two Democrat-run cities in what may be a precursor to a presidential run. He's got to find a way to maximize excitement without being a candidate forever. Walmart closing three locations in the Chicago area. The lot is crowded until they close. I mean, so how are you not making money? This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Tuesday, February 21st. I'm Mike Scott. On Monday, President Biden surprised many by making a trip to the capital of Ukraine to demonstrate America's unwavering support, he says, of that country, which is nearing its one-year anniversary since Russia invaded its borders. Putin thought Ukraine was weak and the West was divided. As you know, Mr. President, I said to you in the beginning, he's counting on us not sticking together. He was counting on the inability to keep NATO united. He was counting on us not to be able to bring in others. Fox's Peter Ducey, who is in Poland, fills in the details of the Biden trip. According to a very small traveling press pool that was with the president in Kiev, uh, he did not announce any kind of new assistance that the that the Ukrainians have not already received, but he did say they're going to get at least a half a billion more dollars in uh, security assistance. And again, uh, this is so new, we have not even had time to read through all of it. But uh, if uh, the big headline is that the president made this daring drop by uh, to a city that the Russians have been attacking or trying to attack for almost an entire year. And some of the early social media reports that we've seen with the president on the ground uh, indicate that he's there standing next to Volodymyr Zelensky as air raid sirens are going off. That is highly unusual. That is very dangerous. But it appears that President Biden has uh, safely made a trip uh, to Ukraine. While many believe that Biden's trip to Ukraine was the strongest moment of his presidency, many others wonder how it will play out politically in the U.S., where his popularity has suffered since the withdrawal from Afghanistan and stubborn inflation. In an average of recent polls, Americans who disapprove of his performance outnumber those who approve 52 to 42 percent. Josh Kraushar, senior political correspondent at Axios, joined the Salem Radio Network and says he has to hand it to the White House. The optics were strong at an important time in Ukraine's war against Russia. Big, big moment for, for this White House. It may be one of the moments that we remember at the Biden presidency, uh, one of the highlights, uh, him 
going into Kyiv, displaying a, a strong show of solidarity with the Ukrainian people, with Vladimir, with Zelensky. Um, you know, I, I was struck, you that there wasn't a whole lot of analysis, commentary in the State of the Union that Biden gave about Ukraine, about foreign policy generally. And this was, uh, I think, made up for that. I think he, he really offered a strong show of support at a very important time in, in this war. Kraushar says that the Ukrainian people right now, for them, morale is everything. We're at a pivotal moment in, in this, what seems like a long haul, long stalemate. Uh, Russia's throwing all their manpower uh, at, at, at this eastern line, and doesn't seem to be getting 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 far. But there's a lot of lot lot a lot of uh, casualties and a lot at stake in the coming months. And uh, morale means everything. Um, certainly, the money and the manpower and the and the military equipment that the Americans and our allies have been sending Ukraine is is important. But the morale is as well. And I think uh, this was a important show of support at a crucial time in, in, in the war. Kraushar says the Biden administration is walking a fine line between foreign policy and domestic politics. Sometimes you see that there's a reticence uh, from from this White House. In fact, I you know I, I was surprised that Biden, like I said, did not spend more time in his State of the Union talking about uh, the, the high stakes in, in, in Ukraine winning the war against Russia. But look, there there are political considerations. There are divisions. Within the Republican Party, the divisions of the Democratic Party, to a lesser extent, about how you know how much how much time, how much money, what types of weapons we should send. So they're they're very sensitive to the domestic politics. Uh, usually they come around. Usually they've been um, you know c- continuing to give the support that that Ukraine needs, the weapons that they need. But sometimes it takes a little while, and sometimes they're trying to kind of cross their T's, dot their I's, and make sure they got the politics straight. While there are some in the Biden administration who want to curb expectations regarding the White House's support for Ukraine, Kraushauer says that generally they're on the same page. Elements within the administration that are a little cautious. There was a story in the Washington Post last week from a Biden official trying to uh, you know, downplay expectations of more weapons, more money coming in in the, in the next year and trying to figure out an, a resolution for some type of, you know, end game. Um, you know, that, that's, I, I don't think that's the, the, the majority sentiment within the administration, but there are voices that are more cautious, would, would like a, a settlement of some sort sooner rather than later. Uh, I think the majority uh, of, of, of folks on the, you know, in, in, the, in the administration want Ukraine to win. I want them to have successes on, on the battlefield. But um, you know, there is, there is a war, and this could go on, and there could be a whole lot, lot, lot of issues. Kraushar explains that even though there is a small contingent of Republicans who are trending toward isolationism, generally most Republicans are still supporting the war in Ukraine. And that's one of the bigger challenges, keeping the Republicans. I mean, I think Mitch McConnell, uh, to a lesser extent, maybe a little bit McCarthy. Uh, I, heard, I heard Mike McCall last week, really. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to hold hearings. Just uh, underscoring the brutality of what, what Russia's been doing uh, in this war. Um, yeah, I, I think you know the, the old line Republicans are very much uh, 100% behind uh, the White House and, and behind Ukraine more, more broadly. But you know there is more anti-war sort of isolationist sentiment right now on, on the right. It's about 50-50 when you look at the polling among uh, the Republicans and independents and Democrats very, very much in favor of of, of continuing to support Ukraine. Now, the conventional wisdom is reinforced by decades of polling that foreign policy 
does not tend to sway presidential elections. Another massive earthquake, 6.3 in magnitude, hit southern Turkey late on Monday, compounding the ongoing rescue effort left by the country's worst earthquake in modern history only two weeks earlier. This comes as reports now show that the death toll from the previous quakes has edged toward 45,000. Daybreak Insider's Charles de Ledesma has the very latest on the disaster in Turkey. Search and rescue operations for survivors have been cooled off in most of the quake zone, but Afad chief Yunus Sezer has told reporters search teams are pressing ahead with their efforts in more than a dozen collapsed buildings, most of them in the hardest-hit province of Hatay. However, there have been no signs of anyone being alive under the rubble since three members of one family, a mother, a father and a 12-year-old boy, were extracted from a collapsed building in Hatay on Saturday. The boy later died. I'm Charles Duladesma. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis visited two Democrat-run cities, New York and Chicago, to visit with law enforcement and discuss crime prevention. I would like to see Ron DeSantis to be our president, and I think it's time that uh, we make America the way it's supposed to be. Citizens in New York supporting Governor Ron DeSantis during his visit to Staten Island today. The governor attended a pro-law enforcement rally speaking against, quote, woke politicians who he says are causing crime to rise across the country. New York City Mayor Eric Adams tweeted at DeSantis this morning saying he's happy to teach him about values. This is in relation to Florida's controversial decisions involving diversity, equity and inclusion, as well as undocumented immigration and access to abortions. While in Chicago, DeSantis touted his commitment to law enforcement. I mean, it did two things really we've done if it wasn't for our commitment to law and order. And the fact that we've stood by people when it wasn't popular, it's the foundation for the success of not just Florida, but for any community. However, New York Mayor Eric Adams took a shot at DeSantis and said in a tweet, quote, New York City is not the place that bans books, discriminates against our LGBTQ plus neighbors, use asylum seekers as props, or let the government stand between a woman and health care. For his part, DeSantis didn't seem too rattled by Mayor Adams and didn't directly respond, but only tweeted about Florida leading, quote, the nation in protecting our LEOs, and our crime rate is at a 50-year low, while New York City saw a 23% surge in major crime in 2022. Anti-police politicians, DeSantis wrote, should stop catering to the woke mob, end quote. Chicago Democrat Alderman Raymond Lopez tweeted that politicians should learn from the pro-crime environments they created instead of going after DeSantis, saying, quote, Our politicals are upset that he's coming to Illinois today in an attempt to lure police officers to relocate to Florida. Why aren't they upset with the environment they created that is hostile to law enforcement, ignores thousands of victims, and protects criminality? However, reporter Nick Smith explains that DeSantis' visit to 
a Chicago suburb, Elmhurst, was not well received by many other Democrat lawmakers in the city. His visit there is drawing condemnation from state leaders in Illinois, as well as candidates running to be Chicago's next mayor. DeSantis will attend a private law enforcement only event promoted by Chicago's police union. Now, Paul Vallis, one of the leading candidates to become Chicago's next mayor and is endorsed by Chicago's police union, said in a statement, quote, DeSantis's record of trying to erase the LGBTQ community, banning books on black history, and much more is not in line with my values or the values of our community or the values of the rank and file police officers who I believe have no interest in getting swept up in culture wars and national Republican Party politics. Adrian Mitch Vallis has been under fire for his ties to Chicago's police union, but he's walking a fine line. So he doesn't alienate that support. As for DeSantis, he has not officially announced his candidacy for president, but with multiple fundraisers in the coming weeks, it appears to be a question of when, not if. Some experts are believing that the Florida governor's visit to these two major cities may be a precursor to a presidential run. Chris Steyerwalt, the politics editor for News Nation, says that right now DeSantis is walking a fine line between keeping up his national profile and not announcing a run for president. The news would be if Ron DeSantis announced that he wasn't running for president, right? It would be big news if Ron DeSantis came out and said, I'm not running for president. When he eventually says that he is running for president, it's not really a story. It's a pseudo event. Look at Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley announced, she said, no, I know I've been acting like I'm going to run for president for years. And here I am. I'm really filing the paperwork and I'm really declaring. It doesn't change things in a material way. And what DeSantis is trying to do is have the best of both worlds. Right. Uh, He's not the first politician to have a book uh, to go out in in service of a book tour with that as cover to go make a tour, talk to donors, hold events, be on TV uh, and raise your profile. He's not the first person to use controversies in his home state or in his district to try to create controversy that will work to his favor in terms of getting attention. The question for Ron DeSantis is if he stays on the shelf too long. People will get bored of him. If he stays on the shelf too long, he might look like yesterday's news. So he's got to find a way to maximize excitement without being a candidate forever so that by the time we actually get to this time next year, people aren't sick and tired of him. Steyerwald weighs in on how much of the legacy media is already attacking the Florida governor, even though he hasn't announced his candidacy for president yet and won't until after the legislative session ends in Florida. Ron DeSantis would very much, very much like to be public enemy number one, right? Because Republicans hate the media more than they hate Democrats, which is saying something. So the more that Ron DeSantis can be loathed by all of the right people, then that sets him up, that insulates him from Donald Trump's main attack on Ron DeSantis. Donald Trump wants you to think, he wants uh, Republicans to think that Ron DeSantis is really a normal Republican, that he's really a mainstream conservative Republican who is only appearing to be a populist rabble rouser and that this is all an act. And this kind of attack, this kind of narrative from people like Andrea Mitchell reinforces that for DeSantis. So in a weird way, it's a bank shot that helps him. DeSantis will also be visiting other American cities experiencing an increase in crime to talk with law enforcement about his state. Naturally, Democrats in each of those cities 
are not happy with the prospect of DeSantis visiting, except for a few. The Senate Environment Committee says it's planning to hold hearings on the Ohio train derailment. Daybreak Insider's Bob Agnew is in Washington with more on this developing story. The Senate Environment and Public Works Committee says it will hold hearings soon, but gave no start date. Committee Chairman Senator Tom Carper and Ranking Member Republican Shelley Moore Capito say the hearings will focus on the local, state, and federal response in the immediate aftermath of the February 3rd accident. Scientists for the Department of Health and Human Services and the CDC plan to conduct tests at the site on Saturday. Bob Agner reporting. Some suburban Chicago shoppers will soon have to find a new place to shop as Walmart plans to announce the closing of three locations. Walmart is closing three locations in the Chicago area. The retail giant says it's shutting down the Lincolnwood pickup location a week from Friday, as well as stores in Homewood and Plainfield. They will shut their doors for the last time on March 10th. Walmart says all the workers will be able to transfer to other stores. Our reporter Elizabeth Matthews has reaction from the city of Homewood. Homewood Village officials commenting on social media about the area's financial loss regarding the closure. Quote, the Walmart store has been one of Homewood's largest revenue producing stores for years and services shoppers from various surrounding communities. The mayor says, quote, the village was surprised by this news and will work with the property owner to fill the space as soon as possible. This Walmart customer simply can't believe that a Walmart will close in her neighborhood. This is a big hit to the community because, I mean, Walmart have great prices, honestly. So I can't believe a Walmart is closed. This Walmart shopper isn't buying Walmart's reasoning for the closures. I don't know what's going on because it's always crowded. Every time you come up here, the lot is crowded until they close. I mean, so how are you not making money? Walmart released a statement saying, in part, we are grateful to the customers who have given us the privilege of serving them at our Homewood Lincolnwood and Plainfield locations, and we look forward to serving them at our other stores in the surrounding communities and on Walmart.com. On March 9th, President Biden reportedly plans to release his budget. The president is at odds with congressional Republicans over how to address the national debt. Mr. Biden says his plan would reduce the national debt by $2 trillion over a decade. However, the CBO released an updated budget outlook estimating that total publicly held debt would top $46.4 trillion in 2023. Florida Republican Senator Rick Scott joined the Salem Radio Network and says that federal spending is out of control. The spending is unbelievable. We've taken, just in four years, the expenditures of this country will go from 4.4 to over $6 trillion a year. The Florida senator says that federal spending needs to work toward fiscal restraint. I mean, like, if you care about the military, if you care about any of our safety nets, then you have to balance a budget. That's what we all do. We do it in our personal lives. Scott says that his personal priority is to pursue fiscal responsibility on Capitol Hill. I came here to change the direction of D.C. I came here to make sure we have real conversations about how we protect 
American citizens, how we protect Social Security, how we protect Medicare, how do we protect Medicaid, our military. And you only do it through fiscal responsibility. Scott goes on to say that increasing the federal debt will eventually impact private investment markets. At some point, bondholders are going to say, they, I'm not going to buy American treasuries. I don't trust that they can, they'll pay the, the interest expense. I mean, because you have to rely on American taxpayers to want to keep, they're going to keep paying for this. And they're going to, eventually people are going to say, I don't trust American taxpayers to keep, that they're going to raise their taxes to pay for this. Look at what the taxes would have to go up to to pay for this. We have got to get our spending in order. Republicans are asking for commitments from Democrats to reduce federal spending. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., finally wins NASCAR's season-opening cup race. From Daytona Beach, Florida, Daybreak Insider's Jerry Jordan has more on the NASCAR story. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. had attempted 11 Daytona 500s before Sunday's Great American Race, but when the caution came out in double overtime on the final lap, he just edged ahead of Joey Logano to take the win. It's been a dream for a long time and, um, you know, super... Super cool for us to be here. Stenhouse said early in the race he missed a wreck because he was speeding on pit road and serving his penalty. Everything played out perfectly for us at the end of that. I mean, it's a Daytona 500. Um, it's a long race. You're going to have good parts and bad parts, uh, but we just, you know, we just kept pushing through. Logano said the caution came out just a split second too late for him to be the one that benefited as he and Stenhouse traded positions. Christopher Bell rounded out the top three. Jerry Jordan, Daytona Beach, Florida. And finally... While it may sound like the plot of a book for children, a dog who went missing turned up 10 miles away back at the former shelter where she was adopted from and rang the doorbell to come inside. The Animal Rescue League of El Paso says Bailey the dog was adopted last month, but she got loose and ran away. What happened after, though, stunned the shelter. They say around 1 o'clock in the morning, Bailey somehow made her way back to the shelter and rang their ring doorbell. The shelter says she lived there for so long, she felt it was her home. El Paso's Animal Rescue League says that a recently adopted dog named Bailey went missing from her home and then turned up on their doorstep. Shelter worker Loretta Hyde told the newspapers that, quote, I'll be darned, at 1.42 in the morning, she's ringing the doorbell like I'm home, end quote. Shelter staff received an alert from the facility's ring doorbell and checked the camera to see Bailey waiting to be let inside. Hyde says the staff quickly went to the shelter in order to let the dog inside And Bailey was reunited later with her new family. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.